Um, so like we're not putting this out there without like we're trying it too. Mm-hmm. We're all just trying together. Yeah, we're kind of talking to ourselves. Yeah, yes, we are. We really are. Well, we literally are. We're sitting in a room talking <laughs> to ourselves, hoping somebody listens. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the 10th episode of No Small Thing. Double I'm Scott. Digits, and I'm AC. Double digits. Double digits. We're here. We're going to be talking about the Enneagram tonight. And it is our second Enneagram installment. We have an announcement to make. <laughs> What's our announcement? Oh, that we're going to write a book? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. We should have built up to that. Oh. We want to write a book. We really want to write a book about the Enneagram. I mean, we just... That's Send gonna, us encouraging v- vibes. Yeah, because, I mean, that would... Pray for us. It'll take a long time <laughs> and a lot of preparation. We're in the beginning stages of that, I would say, but... In the beginning stages, meaning we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah. It's a goal of ours, though. I don't know our timeline with it. Put the it. goal out into the universe. You just did it. Yeah. Well, also, okay, I was... Can I just go on? I wasn't even thinking we're going to talk about the book. Okay, well, so there's this liturgist episode where Science Mike talks about, like... The The liturgist is a podcast that we recommend. I highly recommend. Uh, And he talks about how for a year, every day in meditation, he would think about the, like, book, like, party when his book was first, like, Mm. uh, published. Science Mike? Yeah, and that is, like, what gave him the, like, helpful tool to, like, push him towards actually writing and doing that book. Okay. And he has a book okay. that's written now. So I'm And he's just going all over that. talking about it. Yeah, and it's a I I have the book and I've only read part of it, but I've like I've listened to the podcast episode about that book and the story of that book. Like side note <laughs> um I've heard it said. I, I never want to like quote somebody that doesn't want to be quoted. It's so strange. Um well this is an interesting exercise. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm Picture what you'd want people saying about you in a coffee shop if they were talking about you and you got to overhear them. Hmm. And uh, I would like people to say I have a podcast. <laughs> and I would like people to say I've written a book. <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah. yeah, Scott Gronholtz? Oh, yeah, he, he hosts No Small Thing with Macy. Like, <laughs> he has a podcast. And he's written a book. <laughs> yeah, and he writes books and all sorts and of does other, makes beats. <laughs> makes beats, yes. <laughs> but Macy, oh yeah, she does. She does ASMR. <laughs> yeah, you'd want people saying that. Yeah, I would. Would want. you? Okay. Yeah, I do. Oh, I do. Oh my gosh, wait, we're so, jumping the gun on so many things right now. Okay, wait, you're just so, dropping ASMR. You're talking about books. I'm saying something else. No, don't do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I wanted to say we have a goal slash plan of doing an, 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 uh, oh. an Enneagram episode every five episodes. So yes. Yes. we did an Enneagram episode on the fifth episode. We'll, we're doing an Enneagram episode on the 10th episode, and then we'll do an Enneagram episode on the 15th episode. I love that it's in such nice numbers. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to spend time talking about each number. So the last time we did five, and this time we're going to do four, which is you, so yeah. get excited <laughs> and, and get emotional. <laughs> and then... I imagine, I imagine after we get you and me out of the way, yeah, we'll start with one. We'll we'll talk about the one, and we'll have a one on our show. Probably Maddie. Maybe Maddie. That, that makes probably, the most sense. It makes the most sense. The producer. He's gonna have to do a, a bit more research on ones. I think call he's out, done a lot. Has he? I mean, he's well, okay. He's read, I, I I I revoke my call out, Maddie. He's read quite a bit. Uh, he loves Richard Rohr. 
that's like I would say like one of his biggest uh, like enneagram. I'm gonna say this and maybe I can take it out if it's too offensive. But Matt, Matt, Maddie, Matthew. He doesn't like Matt. Yeah, I right when I said it, I didn't like (laughs) how it sounded (laughs) for for him. Um, he still strikes me as fairly defensive about his number. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like he's still like goaltending. His I don't understand what that means. Like he's not light about kind of like roasting ones. Like you're like, oh, ones do I this. Think that's and he's a like, classic, no, no. Because I think that that makes sense for being a one. Wow, you could be right. <laughs> this this is the dilemma here. to anybody listening. We we have not chosen a specific topic for this show. That's the that's the the whole point is that there's no specific topic. It's this isn't an enneagram podcast. No, no, no. And it's not Steven Universe podcast, and no. it's not Twenty One Pilots podcast, but we're very aware as we've done these things that we would enjoy having an uh, an exclusively enneagram oriented podcast. Yes, themed, you know. Yeah. So I guess the way we're the workaround for us is that we'll we'll cover enneagram every five episodes. Yeah, and I think it'll be really fun to see the integration in terms of like we've did the enneagram episode five weeks ago and we interviewed you as a five, but we also just talked about the Enneagram and we have since had a lot of experiences that have reshaped my understanding of the Enneagram. I would say just like broaden my understanding of the Enneagram. You've gotten some books. Oh yeah. I've gotten a lot of books and I think (laughs) so have you. Yeah. No, not as much as you. I mean, I have like the Enneagram Bible, which is the wisdom of the Enneagram. Yeah. And then I have a bunch of downloaded books, but you, yeah, Bought, I think, three books. You bought the yeah. I have the Sacred Helen Enneagram, Palmer. the Helen Palmer book, and the Intelligent Enneagram. And well, what's the Chris and the Hewitt's? simple. That's the Sacred Enneagram. Oh, and what's the and Helen Palmer? Just I think the Enneagram. Oh, it's the Enneagram, yellow. and then you also have this new one for Simple. It's Enneagram yeah, like what, Enneagram made easy or Enneagram simple, not easy. It's like more just like simple and has really cool drawings and comics. And I actually think it has a good. It's a good perspective of oh i got one and i this is the this is the problem what? my son jack uh he doesn't even want to be n- mentioned in this podcast he, <laughs> he, he, he loves the enneagram and uh he's in europe my family's in europe right now that, that that's something we got to talk about in a second yeah um but he's he took all of our my enneagram books <laughs> and they're mine he took them and uh, the, the wisdom of the Enneagram has so much information. So yeah, I haven't I felt the need for it. more books. But then I got one. Just just here's Wait. some information or a story. We, Macy and I, with some other team members at our church, were in a meeting. And we heard that there was a bookstore next to where we were meeting that oh, had yeah. Enneagram books. So we went yeah. next door and bought more Enneagram books. And the one I bought, I forget the name, but it's in Europe right now <laughs> with mad. my son, was the most... <laughs> sort of intellectual. Yeah, like it was the one I got was crazy intellectual. intellectual. Yeah. And so like there's there's this wide spectrum, I think, Wisdom of the Enneagram, Sacred Enneagram, these are all sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then this one I had was just like no no pulling no punches, not not trying to be extra readable. It was just oh. hyper. And then you have this other one, Simply Enneagram or whatever, that's like almost borderline for kids. No. No? No, you're right. It's not for kids, but it's like it's, it looks like it's for kids. Like there's little sweet pictures. It's very simple true. to understand. You're right, you're right, so you're right. I would say if But that's okay. Can what's I just, the name? Can I I'm I'm finding it right okay. now, but pointing out it's borderline for kids. That makes me think of the Steven Universe thing. Where it's like Oh gosh, you know what I right mean? back to that. You know what I mean though? Well th- that now we're reversing roles because I was the one that told you not to say it's a kid I know, show. I know, but I, I'm 
was open I'm not saying me. it is for kids. I'm trying to say. Oh, the Enneagram made easy. The Enneagram made easy. If you're a person that is a little nervous about diving into the Enneagram, <laughs> Macy's showing me a picture of her with some high school student converts to the Enneagram <laughs> <laughs> holding a up this book. Four. Uh, the Enneagram made easy. If you're a person that wants a, a, a nice soft start to the Enneagram, why don't you just download the Enneagram made easy by Renee Barron and Elizabeth Wyell. Do it. it. It is fun. It is. It's easy to understand. And then, and then if you like it, go, go get a, a medium book. Like I the, think the Helen sacred Palmer. Enneagram is, I think is it's a, a really good okay. first one too. Uh, well, I guess we're going to do a little bit of a check-in. and <laughs> This is a long intro. I wanted people to know we were talking about the Enneagram, but <laughs> we did too long of an opener about the Enneagram. Now we want to do a check-in. <laughs> Here we are, everybody. And we wanted to say, we wanted to spend another little bit of time talking about, please rate and review us on iTunes. Oh, yeah, cleaning house things. Cleaning house, whatever that means. Uh, which, uh, yeah, we just... First of all, thank you. We want to say like a moment of thank you to people who have been rating and reviewing. So we're going to share a few reviews. That we're people, just listening. Or yeah, people have just been listening. Or like people have sent, sent sweet texts. I think the last episode we put out was, I don't know, it was pretty special. Uh, I enjoyed We thought it was very special. I, yeah, I think we thought it was special. And it was fun to share with different random people in here. Our friends who were like, I took some white space. Like... That was sweet to see. So just thank you for engaging with it and like engaging with us in like writing reviews and sharing with a friend. So are we going to read reviews? Yeah. Should we like pass the computer back and forth? Sure. Okay. Um, Wait, I can I read the one from Justin? Sure. Here it comes. So we got a review from Macy's turning around the computer. Justin, who uh, on here, I think it says JMBD24. Justin works at a church that Scott and I work at and... Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a very respectable human. He is such a respectable human. I love, I get to see Justin whenever I like walk in and out of the church. And, and, and they talk about WWE, which we'll probably talk about someday here. Yeah, he's a sweet dude and a sweet, stable presence. I love Justin. And so he's been listening to our podcast, which is fun. Um, and he said, it's great to hear Scott and Macy talk about things they're curious about. And that curiosity is contagious. The rapport is great and their deep knowledge and passage passage of some of these topics shines through. A great podcast. Yay, so Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Oh, I want to say something else about my son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Public call-outs. We have uh, a lot of reviews and ratings. <laughs> uh, we have 44 r- ratings. We have 43 five stars and one four star. And my son is the one that gave us the one four star that we have. Thank you, Jack. I love Jack. Yeah. That okay. is so funny. So, <laughs> what, a, what an amazing person. Okay, so this next one is from my friend Jamie, who lives in Texas. Uh, Jamie Weber, 34. So nice. She says, loving the podcast so far. So this must have been in response to the last episode. She says, lots of love from Roanoke, Texas. I hope I said that right. Roanoke? I'm investing in some radical downtime right now r- after I write this review. Wow. Radical downtime. Radical downtime. We are here for it. Yeah, and I said in that episode that we, we're, not, we're not giving a book report on our content <laughs> from our trip. <laughs> like, we really are hopefully genuinely trying to say something that's helpful oh, to no. people. Oh, no. You know? So if it's helpful, that's good. I mean, obviously, if it's not, that's fine. But th- th- we're trying to help. Yeah, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying to help. We're trying to help. Okay, so those are some of our reviews. But we'd encourage you. 
Uh, like I said, we are on Stitcher, and we're on the Google Podcast app, and we're on SoundCloud. Um, we are not on Spotify. That's we're the number one thing on people Spotify. keep asking me, and it's complicated. I'll, I'll just say it's complicated. That's <laughs> another thing we should say is that come September. So what, I don't oh, know right, what day right. of the week it is, but Scott's leaving tomorrow. What day is it? Is it it's Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> what day is it? July Macy 28th. and I just got back from another big trip. Another big trip. We were on a, a, a mission trip. And so we did Lake Shasta, which we talked about last week. And, and now yesterday at, at like 6 p.m., our mission trip ended. So we both got like 10 hours of sleep last night, but we're still <laughs> recovering. So that's why Macy doesn't know what day of the week it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to Italy for three weeks. So I'll be gone, and Macy's going to be holding down the fort. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And I think she, I think you have some plans. Oh yeah. So what are your plans? So we're going to be. Re- I hope to, while Scott's gone, to still give content that comes out every Monday because mm. I think consistency is something podcasts are supposed to really have. And I like the idea of starting the week out and having it out there. If there so, if there are people that are enjoying our podcast. We want to honor you by being consistent. Yes, it's so we true. We did take one week off, and there may be times where we take weeks off. But What week did we take off? We took, I think I, we released the Macy rants while we are right, in Shasta. but that's what I'm saying. So we, we still at least had something. content. And so that's kind of what these are going to mm. be. So if you were to look at our thing, uh, you'll see there's different like numbers next to our the way our titles look, which is very important to Scott. Uh, it's, it's important to me for some reason. The way that it looks. And so these episodes that are coming to you, they're not going to be like no small thing, like trademarked one of those like OO number. Great way of saying it, <laughs> trademarked. Episodes. But they will, hopefully there will be content still every Monday. So it may be Top Rants. It may be some ASMR. Who knows? If you don't know what ASMR is, I'll probably explain it a tiny bit, but then mostly just give you guys some ASMR I've been doing. And then hopefully the last one will be some kind of listening experience. Mm, that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't know what it's going to be. But I think the numbers thing, like I, I feel like for potential listeners or people that are engaging with the podcast, I want them to know when they see the, an episode in quotes mm-hmm. that it's, it's you and me talking. Like if they're looking for that, right, right, right. That they know that they're going to get a classic episode but now that now that we've introduced the concept of rants is you're scrolling through and that's what you're looking oh, for maybe people maybe that's what they want they want to go straight to the rant <laughs> and it's not it's not hidden it's not like episode 909 21 pilots macy is it, <laughs> is this one of the rants you know it's like no it's bold it's like macy top rant number yep. five ten <laughs> twenty <laughs> twenty top rants oh i could go off for hours we're not talking about 21 pilots on okay. this episode right right Okay, so that was our opener. Please, it, it again, we're not fishing for compliments. If this, this if this podcast is to people know that by now. I don't know. I'm insecure. I, I don't <laughs> want people to think I'm fishing. For, I, I I guess what I'm saying is we actually do believe in this podcast and we want it to, oh, to we succeed. We really believe in this thing. And it helps to get ratings and reviews on iTunes. I don't quite know what to do on Stitcher and Google Podcast app yet, but but if you rate us and review us on iTunes, that's helpful. Yeah, it's it's more complicated than I thought, but that's kind of fun too. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it has the added bonus of making us feel good. What? The, oh, the ratings yeah. and reviews. Oh yeah, it gives yeah. us a smile. We're like, yeah. look at this. This yeah. is so sweet. <laughs> um, but it's also just because it's like we actually like we we hope you are engaging and you're not just listening. Like we talk about radical downtime. Like uh, that's more than, like it's so special that people 
Like, because I've been taking that seriously. I've been Me trying too. to. Okay, so uh, should okay. we talk about the Enneagram Okay, now? so here's, we say, here's what happens. Catch you guys later. Catch you guys later. We're going to get Slurpees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but we, we can make it less awkward. We're going to say, listen, you're about to get a musical interlude, I wish folks. that we could go get Red Bulls right now. <laughs> you're about to get a musical interlude. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a nice mental break. Yep. Maybe even consider it some white space yep. for our podcast. And when we come back, there it is. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what we've learned about the Enneagram since our last episode and where we are. Fresh, hot off the press thoughts about the Enneagram. Yep. So, and how it boxes us all in. How it boxes all in. Catch you later. <laughs> Since our last Enneagram episode, uh, that feels forever. Many ago. things have happened. We've we've first of all read more books, had more conversations, done more soul searching and self discovery through the Enneagram. <laughs> yes, and also this kind of interesting thing of we have really put out into the universe that we care about the Enneagram. Yeah, and we view ourselves as sort of very. Well, I don't know. Uh, or like rookie, rookie experts. Rookie, yeah, that's yeah. a, a interesting, but I think proper way to describe it. Like, we're trying to understand it. We're not. We're but not we're ex- like semi. We're, we're teaching people. We're teaching people. Which is, which is an interesting thing. We like put it out in this podcast that we understand the enneagram kind of, and we're teaching people, and we've been teaching people, which, of course, naturally means we understand it in a way different way now. It's funny because there was this phrase that my grandpa and others used to say to me as like I was potentially training to be a pastor and it's like studying the Bible and stuff. And there was this phrase that people would say of, you can only take somebody as far as you've gone yourself. Hmm. And I remember at the time it was said with this sort of almost burden, like you better be growing and you better be studying the Bible hmm. and stuff. But but if you apply that to what we've been doing with the Enneagram, our engagement with the Enneagram has been so fun. It's not yeah. It's not like shoot, well, I got to study the Enneagram so I can bring people to the point where I'm at. <laughs> but that's all we're doing. We've read and studied the Enneagram, and all we're doing is inviting people to come up to where we are. Yeah, true, true. And go past us if they want. Go yeah, ahead. honestly. And, like, hopefully just introducing people to it. And then, like, I've been just sharing, like, the books I've been reading. So, yeah. like, we've been on these two trips, and I've brought the book. So I've been reading them, but then, like, I'm not the type. Like, anyone could borrow my book. So... They, people have read through them, which is so fun because then I hear about like what it has meant for them to mm. read and understand the Enneagram. So, that's so special. You, we're going to talk about you in a second, but <laughs> this isn't a four question. This is just you with the Enneagram as your rookie expert. Yeah. What have you learned that you think since our last episode? What have you learned about the Enneagram? Well, I, I think, know you've learned many, many things, but. Yeah, I think the thing that. I, we kind of wanted want to talk about or just is like I've been given a different perspective of mm. what the Enneagram mm. is in terms of it being like a tool that helps us to like find our inner self in this almost idea of like we're and I think we both want to talk about this but like we're not our number we are like actually like almost like 
the opposite of our number mm-hmm. or our number reveals like the false self we've put up. And then like we're searching the Enneagram is our way to take off that mask and find our inner selves. That's what people need to know. Yeah. And that's what we need to know. I mean, we're still so new to this, but, yeah. and I already knew that, but not in the way I think I know it now. Well, yeah, because we have been so, so in the last episode <laughs> about the Enneagram, Scott talked about the idea of a box and we have, encountered a shocking amount of people it's a meme now it us. is like yeah it it's is a like total meme the joke that it's like okay i'm if i'm gonna introduce the enneagram which it's everybody comes up and asks us what well, yeah, is let's, the enneagram let's say this so people understand oh, know. yeah i first of all we went to shasta and it's like we're all in these houseboats so we talked about wilderness and our content for the week last week but we didn't really talk about how much we talked about the Enneagram. We're five <laughs> houseboats linked up together for a week. Yeah. And we just wander from boat to boat in this sweaty mess <laughs> and, and try to have conversations and then jump in the lake yeah. and eat sugar all day. <laughs> but like people... It, you just it, described it in the most like... It's a great trip, but it's also way. crazy. <laughs> um, it, it, I don't know, like, People got wind that Macy and I were talking about this thing called the Enneagram. So there was like these factions. There was like definitely a group of people that were annoyed and skeptical and then a group of people that were really interested. And the group of people that were annoyed and skeptical would somehow be in the room when an interested person would say, Scott and Macy tell us about the Enneagram, which also became its own meme. Yeah, because it's like you start explaining and so I'll like, Start. A crowd would gather. A cra- <laughs> start explaining. And then it would be like, I'm on number six, explaining six. And then like, at this point, people have walked in. So by the time you finish nine, somebody else is waiting saying, okay, I walked in at six. Can you Let's explain start one over. through five? Yeah. So then I'm restarting, which is such a bummer. And this happened all week. Like, <laughs> all week. <laughs> yeah. All week. And like this most recent trip, I was not... I like we explained it a tiny bit. I did a little oh, right. bit. We, I think we did. We were a little spent. Yeah. yeah on so <laughs> but but it's funny because here's what happened. Like, no, no, I don't I don't imagine any of these kids had listened to our Enneagram episode. No, maybe I think one maybe or two. One or two. And it was just crazy because if you go back and listen to our last episode, I have a rant about boxes and how people talk about this box thing. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> everybody like the universe doubled down on this box thing. Like kids that didn't even know I said this just kept saying it. You know, we would present the idea of the Enneagram and, the, and then you could see it coming. You could see it in their face. I'm like, they're going to say it. They're going to say it. And they would say, yeah, but you can't box me in. Or that, that sounds like you're trying to put me in a box. And it was just so hard to, to not just like laugh at them. And uh, it's, it's feels like some sort of weird them. big, like it feels like it feels it's not true, obviously, but it feels like the universe is pranking us with the box. Yeah. Like, like everybody got in a room together and say, Hey, if Scott ever brings up the Instagram, <laughs> bring up the box. Thing. I'm like, I can't believe this is such a go-to phrase for it, people box. It really makes sense on some level to me. The, the it's num- only exclusively to these things though. Like, like if I, if somebody said, do you, are you a youth pastor? I don't say don't box me. You know what I mean? I know, but I just, people don't understand so, it as language. Uh, <laughs> so that's youth another pastor. Thing. I am a youth pastor. So uh, literally, <laughs> Sorry. do you have more to say about the box? No, though? no, no, no. 
Well, no, you can keep going off about the box. <laughs> I think we're going to say very calmly and rationally in a second why it's not a box. It really, truly is not. It really, truly in is whatever not. And that's why this meme is so funny. It's yeah. because it's like, yeah, that's the predictable response. And it's like, you. it takes some time to get a, that deeper understanding. So it's just like... I've never naturally had that thought in my brain. I about naturally anything. have had that thought. About box. Really? I, probably th- I, pr- I think that's a five brain thing, probably. I've, I've probably I had the... I have the, no idea. I, I know I have the um, fear, this is a five thing for sure, of being misunderstood or somebody thinking they understand what I said when I didn't Yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, or labeling me as something if they say, oh, he's, he's progressive or he... <laughs> He's a Democrat. I'm like, I don't, I don't like that label, and I, and I, and I have some, you know, some caveats to that right. label. But I've never been like, don't box me. Mm-hmm. I've never thought, don't box me, or put me in a box. I've never thought of that before. I don't know. That I mean, so I think weird. I definitely have. Well, I'm which... sure you do before. <laughs> um, yeah. So that just kept going up, and there was some. It was fun to. That's where we got the idea to write the book because we were talking about. The Enneagram with youth. Mm-hmm. And I think our book, we kind of particularly, we realized there are certain aspects to most of the literature that we were reading or coming from that are more for an older audience mm-hmm. or for an audience of just like an adult self-discovery. Mm-hmm. So I think we wanted, we see like, we're starting to see a gap in terms of like there not being something for families slash like understanding yourself as you're coming into your like coming of age and, and yeah exactly and what we're going to say in just a second about these numbers is the misconception people the other phrase the other go-to phrase that's right behind box is self-fulfilling prophecy oh yeah people love to say that and that is a misunderstanding and and so like if people are going to say developmentally it's not appropriate for a teenager to identify with a number. Yeah, some people I don't, do. I don't think that's, um, well, get my son Jack started on that. I mean, he essentially says we're born with our number. Yeah, some people think that we're just yeah. born right in So there. it's, 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 I mean, I, I could see if, if handled improperly or handled, you know, irresponsibly, it could be a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. But if, 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 if it's understood properly, um, it can be helpful. So for, so for these reasons, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this? Or talk should about I start? What? About how it's not, we're not our number. Oh, yeah. We yeah, aren't no. our number. No, we're not in the box. You begin talking about that. Okay. And then I have something to read. So here's something that I understood, but I've come to understand much better, I guess maybe because I've needed to respond to the extreme pushback that I didn't anticipate, which is essentially our number describes who we are. Um. And, and that gives us some grace to accept ourselves and understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are who we are, and that's in so many ways beautiful. And every number is beautiful in its own way. But our number is also sort of the defense mechanisms and coping mechanisms and masks that we have yeah. cultivated in our life in order to survive. And so the Enneagram actually, it, it's so ironic. The, the Enneagram is meant to break you out of your box. You, you're in a box. You're in a box based on your own habits and, and defenses that you've created your whole life. And yeah. the Enneagram is meant to help you identify that so you can get out of it. Yeah. And so all the, all the language that the Enneagram uses is 
sort of integration is one of the big buzzwords, but maturity, growth, essence, like as you sort of move out of your number and deviate away from it and get out of your patterns and habits, you break out of your box. And that's what's really beautiful about it. Yeah, I think I think the like imagery that I get in terms of it is it's like, well, first I just love the phrase your path to peace. And, path like, to peace. It just being like, it being your way out and like, I also like get this picture of like a river and like this yellow, a yellow raft, like (laughs) guiding you up. And there's all these like different streams Mm. and like there's, but this like raft, like finding the Enneagram is like, it's getting you across the river to finding yourself. It's like a tool to find yourself. It's a way to do that, but you have to do a lot of the work and a part of the journey, but it's like, it's, it's the, a guide almost. Yeah. And, and so, so you can all sympathize with us, people that haven't listened to us talk about the Enneagram and they bring up the box. But if you've listened to this podcast now and you talk about a box, yeah, I'm going to be really angry. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not going to be angry. I'm so sick of the I'm box I'm not going to be angry. I'm I'll just, still have I'm the totally conversation. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But I think Macy and I both have a few things we want to read yeah, that, address, okay. a, that so, address this. <clears throat> I'm reading from the Sacred Enneagram, which... Uh, Chris Hewitt wrote it. Um, he is the one who's featured in all of the Sleeping at Last Enneagram podcast, which if you haven't checked out and you're a number one through five, you really should check out. Mm. But if you haven't checked out, honestly, you should just check them all out. He's re- taking his time right, doing these songs and episodes, but it's worth it. Um, anyway, so he interviews Chris Hewitt and Chris Hewitt wrote the Sacred Enneagram, which I started teaching to my or was using as like a resource with my small group which was really fun. Um, and we only talked about what the Enneagram was. We didn't even talk about typing, which small was small group fun. of sophomore girls sophomore at girls. the church. Yeah. Just making sure we know what you mean oh, when yeah. you say small group. Clarity. Small group of uh, karaoke friends on Friday nights. Karaoke <laughs> Who, Who's your small group? What is that? Oh, no. They're okay. sweet, sweet teens. Um, okay. And so this is actually not even from uh, Chris Hewitt. It's from his wife, Felina. Uh, and from her book, Pilgrimage of a Soul. Um, But it's about this false self and our true self. So here it is. Uh, We are asleep to our unconscious motivations, and these motivations mask our true self. In essence, we are hiding, and the wound in our soul remains unhealed, infecting every aspect of our lives. We are so asleep to our reality that we don't know we are hiding behind the masks of our false self. In our slumber, we are unable to distinguish between what is true and what is false. These masks become so familiar to us, they become a part of our very identity. When I awakened to the presence of masks in my life, I knew not at first what was truly me and what was a false version of me, what was a mask and what was authentic, beautiful me. Only time would tell. Ooh, that's huge. I know. I think that one's so good. I, I mean, we didn't write it, but like, I, I like to think that this episode is worth it just for that one quote, <laughs> you know? Gosh, we have so many masks and we're all sleeping. It's it's painful work. It's not it's not comfortable. Painful, I think, is the wrong word. Um, I mean, I guess there's aspects of it that are painful. It's very intimate work. It's intimate work. Doing That's the a good work way of saying it. It, it does seem like there's different types of personalities, and I don't even think this is an enneagram thing. That are more <laughs> afraid to do the self reflection like I, I I like to think I'm not afraid 
maybe that's because I'm too in control. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows if like somebody brought me to some actual painful realizations. I've had that though. I've had that in life. Yeah. Um, I, I just think as a five, there's just so much curiosity. It's not yeah. that it's not like we have a monopoly on curiosity. Everybody's curious in their own way. <laughs> I'm just saying like, it, it, especially the, the five fives remind four. us. I mean, the five aspects remind us to be curious. Mm-hmm. And it says five wing four has a propensity to gravitate towards dark dark themes and the grotesque it says i sort of in in a different way than a four i think a true four take a some sort of weird twisted pleasure in thinking about my my dark sides yeah yeah no i think a four it's uh really self-inflicting and like yeah it's a little bit more emotionally painful than it is analytical and like brain exciting for a five. I, I think I want absolute truth. Like if you were to sit here and say, Scott, for the next five minutes, I'm going to tell you the most like blunt, hard, critical things I think about you. There would be part of me that would be so intrigued by that. Yeah, me too. I wouldn't even be threatened. I'd be like, whoa, let's hear it. What is it? This is going to no be No part of you be threatened. Very little, really? very, very little. I'm oh, sure there's a part. lot would be threatened, but I would for sure want it still. Yeah, I think. yeah. Very interesting. Okay, wait. Are we gonna just go talk about the four now? Are we still talking? You have something to read? I'm gonna read something, and then we'll talk about the four, which is Macy. The four. The four. She's in the room. Gosh. Um, this is something along box, the same lines. The four box. And and this is um, this is from a book that's not about the enneagram. It's called The Gift of Being Yourself. And I'm not even going to find the author. I don't have the physical book, so I'm looking at my ebook, and I don't want to go searching for the author. Uh, it's it's it's. Oh, I'm not even going to look for it right now. Um, I'll post it. It's a great book. It's a very great book. Okay. He's a pastor and therapist, and uh, he talks. About, he, it's it's a whole book about trying to figure out who you are, and he he utilizes the enneagram throughout the book. And uh, so this is a chapter about. How to Discover Your False Self. The Gift of Being Yourself. The Gift of Being Yourself. Are you going to find the author? And um, so this chapter is called uh, Recognizing Your False Self. David G. Benner. David G. Benner. It's such a good book. Yep. Psychologists use this book. Therapists use this book. Psychoanalysts use this book. It's not this book. uh, The Enneagram. That's what I mean. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some do. Some don't. Yeah. So this is this is about recognizing your false self, and this is what I'm what I'm saying is this this isn't necessarily about the enneagram, but the enneagram helps you do this. Yeah, yeah. So it says, this is so good. I wish I could read this whole chapter, but I'll just read this little section. While other people's excessive attachments and personal falsity often seem glaring uh, glaringly apparent, it is never easy to know the lies of our own life. Mm. There are, however, some trustworthy clues if we dare to be honest enough to face them. One of these is defensiveness. Because of its fundamental unreality, the false self needs constant bolstering. Touchiness... Oh, no. Don't her. <laughs> what is it? My dog just started barking. I think because he saw another dog walk by our house. He's so protective. He didn't like that. He's um, a six-wing five, everybody. He, my dog is a six-wing five. <laughs> Um, probably a counterphobic six wing five. Yeah. We love yeah. this baby. Counterphobic. Dodger. Yeah. Self-preservation. Social. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at him. 
I love Dodger. I get to watch Dodger for the next three weeks, and I cannot wait. Okay, so... What what this is another side note. People will say as you read the numbers of the enneagram, the one that causes you to feel the most defensive may be your number. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. So they say uh, defensiveness is a is a telltale sign that you might be actually touching on a nerve of truth. Yeah. So because of its fundamental unreality, the false self needs constant bolstering. So your mm. false self, which in some ways is your number, it's both and your true self is yeah. in your number and your false self, touchiness dependably points us to false ways of being. Hmm. And the more prickly a person you are, the more you are investing in the defense of a false self. Oh, boy. <laughs> so prickly people out there, get, get serious. Some people bristle easily if they are not taken seriously, thus betraying a need for others to see the self-importance that is so obvious to them. Others take themselves too seriously, perhaps being unable to laugh at themselves. Both reactions suggest ego Whoa. inflation. Whoa, it's all about your ego. Yeah. It's all about your false ego, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Others have learned to mask these outward displays of defensiveness, but inner reactions of annoyance or irritation still point toward the presence of a false self. And we all have a false self. I have always disliked being called Dave. So this is the author now. Okay. Sometimes I correct people who do so. More often, I simply remind myself how trivial the matter is and attempt to ignore my irritation. The obvious question, though, is why am I making such a big deal out of one um, consonant at the end of a name? Why am I making such a big deal out of one consonant at the end of the name? The answer points back to the core of my false self. David, I confess, seems to fit better with the image of seriousness I Mm. want to project. Mm. Dave seems too common and ordinary, perhaps too familiar. In the puffed-up state of self-importance associated with my false self, I want to be unique, and I want to be important. I don't want to be content with the ordinary. I do not want to be called Dave. Wow. That's wow. how the false self works. It's touchiness. Is, is he pre- a four? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's how the false self works. It's touchiness is predictable. Hmm. Pettiness is one of its most stable characteristics. The things that bother us most about others are pet peeves also point towards falsity in our own self. The speck that bothers me in the life of someone else is almost always the speck in my own eye. What? Yeesh. What? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, wait. I have like Macy one has more some quotes. thing to say. No, this is just... We're already at 45 There's minutes. all of these... No, <laughs> Isn't that it's crazy? fine, people. Yeah, it's fine. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Joe Rogan goes for three hours, yeah, yeah. everybody. <laughs> um The contemporary Enneagram of personality illustrates the nine ways we get lost, but also the nine ways we come home to our Mm. true self. Ooh, ooh, ooh. (laughs) There it is. Again, another quote that's... Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's the whole podcast is worth it for that one. Okay, wait, I have one more. Please. And then I'll be done. Okay. We live unawakened lives marked by self-perpetuating lies about who we think we are or how we wish to be seen. Tragically... We don't know who we are or what we look like. And often it takes an unlikely other to remind us what's true. You're beautiful. Oh, Thanks, man. Chris Hewitt. Oh, it's so heavy. He's so special. <laughs> it's so heavy. Yeah. Well, we, 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 uh, that's, uh, I think a, a, a maturity sort of path of integration thing is that we all become a little less defensive. Yeah. So, guys, I'm about to reveal myself on this episode as a four and four are wild everybody's wild in their own way yeah but here we does go a, do, do fours want to be the most crazy. wild maybe i don't know <laughs> but this is like a fours 
this up film recording this is film. like I don't know how to say that uh, <laughs> is like both very good and I think like just so much for a four mm, yes being vulnerable and putting it out there is like complicated very complicated for a four so uh, when we come back from our musical interview, oh yeah <laughs> we're gonna uh, deep later, dive everybody. into fours and Macy in particular and this is this is a, this is an example like think, think of what we just heard this is an example of um, not box. Like, we're yeah. not saying uh, fours are like this, and here's Macy being a four. It's, it's saying here's Macy's unique version of being a four, and here's also how she's attempting not to be a four. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> when we come back. <laughs> Okay, so now after our little preliminary opening comments that took almost 50 minutes, we're going to dive into the four. Here we are, everybody. Yeah. That, that is one of the things of like if we had a podcast that was just dedicated to the Enneagram, it would be probably a little different. But um, So wh- one of the ways I think we're going to try to go about this is that I'm going to read the description of the four from the Enneagram Institute. And so here, here's something, too. We've been giving resources. Um, there's all these great books. The easiest resource is the Enneagram Institute on the Internet. Yeah. You can, it's, it's credible. You can go on and read about all the types. and They have, like, a test, They have too. so many great resources. Which, they have a again, test. tests are complicated, but they, they are a way to understand it. And one of my favorite features on the Enneagram Institute beyond the descriptions of the numbers is uh, the compatibility with other types. Yeah, yeah. So you can read what a four is like in a relationship with a two or any of the numbers. Um, and so that's really interesting. So I'm going to read about what a four is. I don't know if I'll read the whole thing. Maybe I'll just give yeah. the gist. Um, but we could even pause midway through and see if you have any reactions. And, and kind of yeah. use it as a guide almost. But then we're going to try to let Macy speak, try. Try to let Macy speak. <laughs> and, uh, and then I have some questions, obviously. But I, I think Macy also has her own reflections on what it's like to be a four. That doesn't we'll probably need much guiding. So <laughs> type four overview. This is from the Enneagram Institute. www.enneagraminstitute.com. It's not hard to find everybody. <laughs> Everybody's always asking, where should I get started? Here it is. <laughs> Enneagram Institute. It's not hard. <laughs> My answer is always Google it. Google it, people. That's the answer to everything. Okay, type four. We have named this type the individualist. Now, Macy and I know this is also called the romantic or what else is this called? The tragic romantic. The tragic romantic. Um, The individualist. Yeah. Individualist seems to be the most go-to because fours maintain their identity by by seeing themselves as fundamentally different from other people. Fours feel that they are unlike other human beings and consequently that no one can understand them or love them adequately. They often see themselves as uniquely talented, possessing special one-of-a-kind gifts, but also as uniquely disadvantaged or flawed. More than any other type, fours are acutely aware of and 
More than any other type, fours are acutely aware of and focused on their personal differences and deficiencies. There are probably six more paragraphs, but why don't we just stop there and get a response from Macy? <laughs> what, 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 how do you respond to that? What resonates with you? Uh, I think almost every part of it does resonate yeah. on some level. Um, and, and as somebody that knows you, it, it's, it fits. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that is what I have starting to understand in reading that I can hear this is Four's experience like contrast or like this. So like in that he talks, they're talking about, can I look at it? Yeah. They like have an eye for like great beauty in themselves. And then they also like, it's always the like flip side of that coin mm-hmm. of like, they are like marked by like kind of like seeing deficiencies in themselves and thinking there's a part of them that's like, actually not beautiful and that's like they can like see beauty but they can't see it in themselves and that's like where it comes from it's Mm. so dark everybody Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it also seems that they are like protective they and i I mean i guess we'll probably get personal tonight because this is personal (laughs) um you seem to be very protective of your pain that it's Unique to you and hard to understand, in quotes. Uh, and, yeah. and and it's risky if somebody actually does understand it or comprehends the pain. Well, I think that that's the, another, like, aspect of fourness is, like, fours, like, are constantly feeling misunderstood. Like, yeah. they're just, like... And but that's the ambivalence them, about that is that they, they sort of want to be misunderstood. There's a part of them that wants to be misunderstood, but then I think there actually is, like... I think it's a fear ultimately that if they are understood completely that like <laughs> they, people won't like love them. Mm. <laughs> it's so dark, mm-hmm. but that's the childhood wound of the four. When you really mm. think about it, what is it? Uh, like fear of abandonment and like this, like feeling that they, I should read about it. Should I just read that? Sure, and that's another thing we should clarify as you're looking for your quote is we've learned this from Chris Hewitts and also who's the guy that does uh, the Enneagram uh, songs? Ryan. Ryan is your childhood wound. And this is so great because it becomes a lot less threatening for all parties. Like oh, it's, yes. it's, it's not blaming your parents or you or anybody Mm-mm. necessarily. Maybe there's some blame, but... Um, your childhood wound is your perceived or experienced wound, whether it's true or not. Like if we went back and watched the tape of what actually happened, it may or may not be true, but you experienced it that way. So like I experienced certain family members of mine as being intrusive, whether or not they were objectively intrusive is, is not, is up for debate. Yeah. But I felt intruded upon. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's how it works. Whether it's, whether or not you were literally abandoned. It's what you it's almost like the memories you latched onto. Yeah. So it's that's like a great way of it's saying it. when I think of my life, I can think of significant memories. You don't remember all of this every part of your life, but you remember certain things and it's just interesting as you're doing the work of the Enneagram, which makes you just go back and understand your childhood. I had to prepare for this episode like two weeks ago. I like talked to both my parents and asked them to explain me as a child. Mm. So that helped me understand myself and 
terms of the Enneagram so much more wow. too. Uh, I have a lot to say I could say about that, but yeah. I want to read this about the childhood wound. And this is again from the sacred Enneagram guys. I just love this book. Um, the custom childhood wound of the four is found in their experience of disconnect or distance from their caregivers. Their wound and the subsequent ways it caused them to turn in on themselves are the reason behind the four's feelings of abandonment. The sense of wounding only reinforces their basic fear that they have no personal importance or somehow are less significant than others. So, so we've already we've already done these disclaimers <laughs> of the perceived wound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, I don't know. I mean, we have complete control over this podcast, so you can say whatever you want. But, like, do you want to talk about what you felt like your perceived wound was? Like, I am just guess I'm already giving the disclaimer. It's not throwing your parents under the bus or anything because it's no, your, I don't it's your even perceived think it's, wound. Right. I don't think it was necessarily, like, it's really interesting to think of my parents. It's, it's... It is this idea that there's something about me that like doesn't always deserve to be there, mm. or like there's something like there's something a little bit off about you. That's kind of like what the four's like big feeling is, and like I don't really know exactly like what made me. F- I can't think of like a single experience that made me feel that. Um, but my like childhood is also marked by quite a bit of anxiety mm. and like separation anxiety and feeling a sense of like abandonment and like fear of like being left alone. Hmm. So like, and not being able to like make it on my own almost. So that is, I don't know how related that is to foreignness though. It's, it sounds like it's related based on the quote you just read. I know. I think it is. Fear I think it's semi related. I don't know. I, I mean, again, we're doing the work of Enneagram <sighs> is very complicated. We're new though. experts. Uh, we're, New we're experts? baby experts. <laughs> um, does the stuff I almost like picture like this documentary Planet Earth and like or this idea of like peacocking, like where where birds like like make themselves more interesting with their feathers and their dances and their colors. I don't know. Like I, I I'm not referencing anything I've read on that. I'm just engaging with what you said. Is there something about like attracting attention that 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 compensates for your fear of abandonment yeah and i don't it's know like no that is like a hundred percent the yeah. way it works <laughs> i think for a four huh. which is like they're a four at their worst goes to two which i don't know if we like so a four at their worst if you don't understand there's like in the enneagram there's different like lines that you can fall to so a four integrates to one and then stress goes to two or when they're feeling like unsafe goes to two and that is like these crazy codependent tendencies matched with my foreness of the need to be significant Ooh, so it I've can be it like what i've watched it happen yeah and it's like it's it's like a shocking like need to be needed and but it's also like in an extravagant way but it's i think all of this like we were talking about this earlier of like it's almost a test that like a four is you don't even real. I'm just now realizing because I'm doing the work at the Enneagram so much of like the things that I we do subconsciously. But it's like this test of like uh, seeing if people will stick around in the mm. midst of all my emotions or in the midst of all of everything. That that, I'm that tests people's patience. You know, but but I'm not I'm not saying that as like a diss to you. I'm saying it's a reality. You know what I mean? And and it, it has probably 
nine times out of 10, the desired results. I feel like that strategy weeds out the true, you know, friends or the true, you know, but uh, a lot of people don't have the patience to stick around for that sort of stuff. Yeah, fours are considered the most dramatic. <laughs> most people, some people aren't here for the drama. I don't know. I think every number has their own version of drama. And every, every what number... What did Chris call us? The diva. The diva. I don't know. Like, I, I have to... I, 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 I bet eights can be divas in their own way. You know? Yeah, no, I'm sure. But I think, I think there's this... So fours are marked by like this sense of suffering. They're like the most comfortable of the Enneagram numbers. They sit in like the heart, one of the, like the heart triad. Mm -hmm. And they're the most like, I think they're the most at ease with emotions. Yeah. Uh, And they like almost pride themselves in that in the sense, like if I experience sadness, even if I just see sadness and this is introduction, do you want to talk about, I want to talk about introduction. But I don't even know what that is. Really? Yeah. It's, Interjection? It's the four thing. It's, talk about it. It's the four defense mechanism. <laughs> or like the four... What, I think I, this, this, this is jogging my memory. But I don't know the psychological term for it, but it's like what oh, happens... Oh, we talked about this. In, was this you and me? Or I like it read it on no, podcast. No, I, I think it's the... Interjection. F- it's, so it's like, okay, and what it is, and I'm just like starting to understand it, and I have a quote somewhere, but I don't know where it is. It would take We have too so long. many books and It's so much. Um, but what happens is a four when they like walk Do into a room... you want me to try to look it up while you talk? Introjection? Well, you could look up what introjection is, but okay. there's a certain Beatrice Butler quote that I would actually love to find, but that would be, we'll see. Um, it's this idea of when you walk into a space, uh, if a four notices an emotion in someone else or something they're experiencing, they like could potentially like swallow that emotion whole, basically is what they say, and then it gets turned on themselves. So like something that like I was talking to my parents about of of like how I behaved as a child, and so fours are marked by moodiness, um, is that I would sometimes, like if I was upset or stressed or experiencing something, that like everybody in the room would know that I was feeling that whatever emotion it was, but it was very clear that it was something I was dealing with and it was like internal, Mm. like almost like fighting Mm. with myself. And like, that's exactly what introduction does is like, I could like see or experience someone else. Like they had this thing happen to them and then introduction swallows that. And then I remember some experience where something like that happened to me. And then I like go into this Mm. place of like, that mm. emotion and like eating that and like needing like it's almost you interrogate that emotion and like what they're experiencing you like interject it that's how i know i'm not a four like i've i'm a five wing four so i can relate to a lot of four tendencies yeah but i don't i don't not i, I, I let me just read i wikipedia it wikipedia it uh, yeah this is a wild concept generally interjection Introjection, row, intro, <laughs> not intra. Introjection in psychoanalysis generally is regarded as the process where the subject replicates in him or herself behaviors, attributes, or other fragments of the surrounding world, especially of other subjects. Cognate concepts are identification, incorporation, and internalization. To use a simple example, a person who picks up traits from his friends e.g. a person who begins frequently exclaiming ridiculous as a result of hearing a friend of theirs repeatedly doing the same, is introjecting. 
projection has been described as an early phase of introjection. So it sounds like like introjection is like projection on steroids. Yeah, so six sixes project and fours introject. Wow. Doesn't oh. it make sense sometimes when you think of certain it things? It does, but it's a it's a big concept that is going to take some time for me to truly become comfortable and familiar with. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could find this quote. Let me let me just ask you a question. How yeah. do you feel as oh, a Oh, wait, four? can I read it? I found the quote. Can you? Okay. Do you know when we go four... back and listen really quick? When we go back and listen, I say, let me, and you say, can I? I wonder that's if very this is... I don't think that's Enneagram. I think it's male-female. Oh, I think a hundred, that's what all I was thinking. Let it has me. to be. Here I come. I'm going to. White male, I'm trying let to, me. <laughs> I'm trying to fight that, everybody. Yeah. Okay, so the main type four defense mechanism is interjection. Interjection is the four's primary defense mechanism. It is a psychological defense through which fours internalize painful feelings as a way to protect themselves. As psychologist Nancy McWilliams explains, interjection is the process whereby what is outside is misunderstood as coming from inside. Mm, mm, it's mm. so much. It's so true. Mm. Interjection operates as a defense mechanism by allowing an individual to identify with and swallow another person whole. When you interject someone, you take that person inside you, and whatever that person represents to you becomes part of your identity. Through interjection, you give yourself a feeling of being able to control that person and whatever they do or stand for. Yikes. Crazy. That's so deep. That's another thing is we all are manipulative in different ways, mm -hmm. I think, and the Enneagram just points out your ways. D does that in any way relate to that Kate girl that you idolize as a as a teenager at the head of that camp. Megan Fate? Megan Fate. Oh. Do you feel like you interjected Megan Fate? Oh, I'm sure I did. Her personality type mm -hmm. and what she stood for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can I can see this playing out in like so many ways in my life in terms of yeah. What, what's like, one example of like a big one? Tyler Joseph. Oh, Tyler Joseph. You're interjecting? Yeah, that's like a that's a level. On some Little on baby some Tyler. level. <laughs> <laughs> but also I can think of <laughs> like, I could be sitting around at, like, we work at churches, which is, like, places where often people are, like, have to be vulnerable or, like, eh, not have to, but expected it's, like, to be. expected to be, like, oh, this is your raw self, and we're going to talk about things, and I don't know. So, like, we'll do things like prayer requests or sharing different things. <laughs> and if someone shares something that, like, I can latch on to, like, I don't even realize it's happening until it's happened. Like, someone could share something that's their own experience. And it's it's not even selfishness, I don't think. But, like, I'll then interject that, like, experience or that feeling or emotion. And then, like, my day can then become whatever that was because I heard that one thing and I interjected it. Oh I don't boy. always, but sometimes oh I do. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't. You've probably witnessed that. That's unique. Yeah. Oh, I've witnessed it. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that interesting? Like defensiveness or projecting, these are great words that seem to be in generally the common vernacular of everyday speech. Like if you're talking in a coffee shop with, I don't know, a person and you say projection, it, it seems to me that most people know what you're talking about. Yeah. But this is 
some great additional language. Introjection. I know. I know. It's aye good. Aye aye. It's been blowing my mind and opening me up to experiences. So that's another cool thing about the Enneagram is, is it makes you re-examine old experiences and have a language for why you felt so crazy or why you did that. Because what happens is that I'll interject something and then like, I'm exhausted five hours later and I'm like, why did I do that? That was silly. Mm-hmm. I can see it when I like mm-hmm. can look at it from a bird's eye view. I can like, oh, that was wild. But sometimes I don't even know in the moment that it's happening. <sighs> Man, it's so it's so hard because I feel like we're <laughs> not even we're not, we're just getting started on the four. But uh, like I, I'm not even going to read the rest because I just want to mostly talk about you specifically. But but like I guess without reading more description descript descriptors about the Enneagram four, what specifically do you Macy like, like about being a four? Like, what do you like? A lot. A yeah. lot. That's Just the thing is we started it. out super sad. Fours are like the meaning makers of the world. Mm. And so like, that's the thing is there's like, it's their, the shadow side of that is that they don't, they don't see meaning in themselves. So they find meaning in other things, mm. but it, it is this like really cool draw to beauty. Fours are like, the artists of the world typically, which the Enneagram language has helped me to actually like trust that about myself. So like, thank you Enneagram for that. And specifically Ryan's podcast on the floor with Chris Hewart's like, it gave me permission to like identify as an artist. And like, what I mean by that is just like being a person who like is trying to like be the most authentic self they can be. And that is what the drive of, the four is and like something that I've heard that has been really helpful for me and like trusting like it's good that I'm a four is that like fours like like with like fours draw others into that and like mm-hmm. hopefully and like help to like remind everyone that like there's more to this place than just like like we need to find like pause and look at the beauty and that's meaningful and like Fours are, like, remind us that, like, we can have our sad emotions because, like, we're comfortable doing that and displaying that, which gives others permissions to maybe, to like, experience that. Because I don't think sadness is actually bad. It just is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, like, place this, like, oh, sadness. And it's, like, no, it just is. Like Yeah, I have a lot to learn from that. I remember hearing Ian Morgan Cron talk about the way he experiences feelings, and especially as a five my experience of feelings are very categorized. Hmm. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, I've, I, I was here and now I'm making a distinction and now I'm going to feel this. Yeah. And now moving away from that, I'm going to feel this. And it's all very categorized. And he said he moves through emotions like it's soup. Hmm. Like it's just like, yeah, these are all the emotions all right now. And I could be a, feeling so many at once. Yeah. And I, I have to be, <laughs> very aware and in control of the emotion I'm feeling, you know? So I don't know how you do that. Well, it's a self-preservation thing. I think it's not, that's the, that's the thing I'm not supposed to be doing. I could help people. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm so lost in my emotions. I can, I can can help you categorize, be like so confused what's going on because like, as I said earlier, like a four thing is like, I love this quote is like a four is like, like quintessential day is like complete tragedy and complete ecstasy. Yay. 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 Wow. And like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to explain 
why that quote was like resonated so much with me, but it like really does. Like that's living. Like that's fully experiencing the world. Yeah. So what I would love for you to do is say <laughs> not not as the you know rookie Enneagram expert explaining fours. Yeah. I want you to talk about how that specifically plays out for Macy. Like, what does that mean for you? How does that how does that play out in your life? Extreme ecstasy and extreme tragedy. I don't know entirely. Like, okay, I can think of days that were like sacred or like special, unique days. Like I mentioned this in a previous podcast, uh, like very briefly, but when Chester from Lincoln Park died, that was like really significant and like that was that like was really hard and like I was really sad about that like for a long time and I had like a day where I like just let myself be really really sad about it and like because he's someone who had sung a lot about like remaining strong and but like also was really honest he's probably a four too um like about like the tragedy of life um and he took his own life and it was just like very unex- like not unexpected, but at the same time, like you never thought that that would actually happen. Mm. Um, mm. And so, like that day, I spent like painting and made this like really like dark painting, and like wrote like words from like his most recent song that like he wrote about like the significance of like people being here, and it's like a song he needed to hear, and like he couldn't even hear his own song. So sad. Oh. It's so sad. Hmm. But that day was like also so healing and so good. Like I was so sad, but it was also like a very good, like emotional time, if that makes sense. It does. And like was beautiful. It does. And it doesn't necessarily make sense in, in the sense that I relate or I do that, but it makes sense. And I think that's what I would love for you to talk a little bit about. It seems that, that, well, it's said, it seems that both fours and fives are severely misunderstood. Yeah. Because I've heard fives are the most misunderstood, fours are the most misunderstood. I guess fours and fives are both misunderstood. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. I've heard fives are most complex, and I've heard fours are misunderstood. Misunderstood, yeah. So, So I do think, as Macy and I have continued to journey along the Enneagram, that there are potential, it's so interesting to think about like using the Enneagram as a lens to look at your kids through. Um, I think I would love to tell parents, just settle down as a whole, settle down. Mm -hmm. Um, Be open to who your kid is becoming. But if you need a tool, which it seems like people do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Enneagram helps you say, oh, this person's an eight. That's why they're doing that. Or this person's a three. It makes it less scary. Yeah. And it seems it seems that people are the most spooked by force, potential force. Like as kids, like this kid's doing this weird thing, this unique, different thing. And and so it's like, let me just say this as a four, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the very nature of a four is that they're going to do something different. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, here's classic four behavior. They dye their hair. No, that's one type of four. Yeah. The hallmark of a four is it's going to be something that probably you've never seen before, and and it's gonna freak you out, <laughs> but it's just that it's just that it seems that they want to be unique and different, <laughs> and it, and it's not even like aesthetics. It's not even like oh they're piercing their ears or they're writing sad songs. It's like they're they're just doing things that stand out and make them seem potentially strange. Yeah. 
So what I would they need uh, to be different. Yeah, yeah. So I would. I, what, what is like? I do. I do believe that there will be some parents listening to this. Like what? Yeah. What? What do? What would parents need to know about uh, a four? Well, one thing that I was listening to. So my parents, I think, did a good job raising me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't understand me as a four, and there were so many things that they didn't understand. Uh, that this, I think, would have been helpful. And my parents, I think, felt a little lost at times with me. So I think that all parents feel lost. I know. I Same know. That's Enneagram. true. It's uh, it's hard. You get one shot. Yeah. Unless you're gonna unless you're gonna have several rounds of kids, but I'm I'm doing it once. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that. It, well, let me just say one final thing. It's not even one shot. It's like uh, this is like the most emotional thought. It's like <laughs> go for it. One shot at Macy. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's not even like many kids. It's like you could you could become an expert and raise a certain kid ten times. Hmm. You only get one Macy. Yeah, it's true. And you only get one Jack and one Avery. It's it's so hard, <laughs> man. This guy's getting really I emotional. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, advice for parents. I'll say two things. The first one is just like really practical and something that's been helpful for me, honestly, in doing ministry with fours. And I have Sydney's a four, so my best friend's a four, which is. The most fun for <laughs> friendship. It's really powerful. Um, but one thing that fours like need, or I guess uh, are looking for, and one thing that you can help is like they need to have the space to. So fours are like marked by being emotional and like moody, and they sometimes need that space to process something. And like facts and feelings are like somewhat similar to fours like they experience them like whatever they're feeling feels like fact to them Mm. they like being told a rational fact like is but if they're feeling a certain way like being told a rational fact just feel like that doesn't count like they're too wrapped up in their feelings wow so (laughs) so like when a four is kind of being swept away by their emotions like as a parent or a friend or whatever like giving them space to like have that emotion and like not telling them what they're experiencing. Cause they know what they're experiencing probably more than anyone else. But then like the advice I heard from the typology podcast was just like being there when they're done, mm. like at the end of mm. when the four is like done being their wow. moody emotional self or going through something, which is like, it can be like, I think really like high emotions and really low emotions or like scared emotions. Oh right. So let's just clarify that. Like yeah. a four could be hyped up. Yeah. And that could be overwhelming for some people. Yeah. And also very low. So that's the thing about the four is there's like this need for authenticity. So whatever they're feeling, I think subconsciously they're like needing to like press into it. So, like, if I'm starting to feel excited about something, I, like, need to interrogate that and, mm. like, press into that emotion and be as excited as I can be or, like, as sad or whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to understand myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, advice is just to to be there when they're done because they... Ooh, that's great advice. Be there when they're they done. They just need to know that, like, at the end of the day, no matter what display or whoever they are like that you'll still be there and still love them for just being existing. They don't trust that themselves. They don't trust that like their existence is like worth 
being there, I think, sometimes. I just think of, I mean, that's very heavy. (laughs) I I think, uh, (laughs) I I think, um, you know, as somebody that doesn't relate to this, and this is where I really do, again, I've said it before, uh, just in this podcast, but like, my fiveness, um, I, I, I don't quite know what to say about how we distinguish between what is a, what is a traditionally feminine trait, mm-hmm. but it seems that whatever, whatever it is, the genetic makeup, women, or, or maybe culturally, women are more in tune with their emotions and feel mm-hmm. have been given permission to yeah. be in tune with their emotions. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I think about the three most significant women in my life, which is my mom and my wife, Marissa, and my daughter, Avery. And there does seem to be this, I don't know, call it comfort with like a good cry. Yeah. Like a big, giant cry, like sobbing and convulsing. and It's as, so cathartic. As a, uh, as a male slash five, I get panicked. Hmm. And I'm like, the world Wait. is com- crumbling around me. And I'm and and what I've come to trust through these three women in particular is they're going to be okay, <laughs> and this is actually good for them, and and um, that it's it's been helpful if I'm there on the other end of it, hmm. you know. Um, in my worst moments, I've run away. <laughs> oh, that's you know? so interesting. Yeah, that that's your response. Yes, that's my that's my instinct. It's hmm. not my response. I mean. My first instinct is get the heck out of there. That's like, so because I would think my first instinct is to like, what can I do? Yeah, no, no. I'm like, oh. But then, so, but the, <laughs> yeah. so this is my second piece of advice. Okay, okay, please. Which was, this is where, this is where like, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was driving over here. Like, I was always like told like by my siblings, like, I was like a baby. And like, UFO. UFO. Oh, gosh. <laughs> UFO was what, like, the catchphrase was for when I had, like, basically just, like, mood swings. Unidentified freakouts. Yeah. Unidentified freakouts was the name of what they were. Uh, I don't know if they were. I think that they were on some level multiple times, like, panic attacks. And I think sometimes probably mood swings. I don't really know what was what. I was a child. And my parents were confused, and we didn't have the right language. But um, so I was always told I was like a baby about things and too emotional and too sensitive. And like that is the thing, and not just from my parents, and like probably not that many times, but that's just the message that I heard and like kept repeating to myself probably. Hmm. And like you, I've heard that from like siblings and other things. Uh, and just like kids, because I cried a lot and I was sensitive. But like that is. I think society's misconception and like the force gift is their sensitivity. Mm. And so like as a parent or a friend or anyone like sensitivity, I think is like reminds us all like, yeah, we should maybe be a little more sensitive. Like I don't want my sensitivity to go away. Like I think for so long I like saw this as a trait that I shouldn't have almost and like to like, suck it up and like not be as sensitive to things but like I'm starting to see the beauty in the sensitivity and that like uh I think it's a good reminder sometimes for us all not to just brush things off that like maybe we should pause and like reflect on this emotion or whatever we're feeling and I think that like that's what's happening when a four gets so sensitive (laughs) 
think, okay, this is another thing is fours are always like, there's always this like word of like, others just don't have it quite as hard as us, which is such a stupid phrase, but it's almost true. I'm like, I don't think other people's brains are just thinking or being as like, in, as like raw as mine is, but just like such an annoying thought. But there's it's probably some truth thought. to it too, but, but it's, I think, I think it seems like the integration is being open to the occasions where somebody may be on your level. And also letting myself be f- like have space to not be this. Oh, right. Because that comes as, with a, its own unique burden. Right. Because I like genuinely do feel like I have to always be like, I don't know. I don't even know the right word for it. I mean, I think it probably is raw, which is like the common word, but it's like always have to like, be fully living and experiencing something. I never want to be like numb. Oh man. You know, it's so interesting. Like we said this last week about our Bible texts of like, we're not even scratching the surface. We're hovering over the the top. We're not even touching. I'm not even putting my finger on the surface of a four at this point, (laughs) which is actually fairly disappointing. I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I'm just cognizant of like, we could go five more episodes on fours alone and you alone with this, you know, <laughs> but I, I have a few things I do want to talk about. Yeah. And I will just say like, of, of course we have these books. I'm, I'm um, flying blind without my wisdom of the Enneagram book, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I, Macy and I both did listen to uh, typology today, which is Ian Morgan Cron's again, another resource. In Ian Morgan Cron's episode or a podcast about. Did you know Instagram. that he made a hundred million listens in a year? Made or he got listens. his his podcast has a hundred million listens and it's it sounded also like he had a million downloads or something, something crazy. Rep- yeah, very so, impressive. Good job, Ian Morgan Cron. You're that's that's podcast goals. Yeah. Um. So there. So what what happened on this podcast in particular today that Macy and I both listened to? This was her second time around. My first is that. There was a panel of fours. So they they said some great things about fours that I wrote down that I would love to hear Macy comment on. One one that I was very intrigued by was uh, an orthodox prayer. And I know you've heard this because you listened, but one of the guests was saying that this prayer resonated with them. Hmm. And the phrase, and I don't know how this was part of the bigger prayer, but the phrase was sort of asking for grace. And the quote was, asking for grace when we have been wounded by the beauty of another. Hmm. That seems heavy. <laughs> what does that mean? And I feel like you resonate with that. When we have been wounded by the beauty of another. Yeah. Uh, on many levels, probably. Yeah, you know what I was thinking? there's an envy element, but also uh. a, a, this is what I think in my, in my sort of study of fours, there's a, an, a simultaneous envy and appreciation. Yeah, so, so this is language that you helped me a while ago to understand of this, like looking through like a foggy glass of Mm. fours in terms of like, they're always seeing other things and like wanting it for themselves, but not in like a, like when I see something I admire or like that is beautiful, like it's just like, it hurts so much how much I want that. Wow. Which is so crazy, <laughs> but that's the envy. It's not like a greedy envy of like wanting what you have. It's wanting that like beauty and not even like your specific kind, mm. I would even say. But 
I don't know. So that does. Yeah, this 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 pops stuff. into my head. I just remember this was before we drove to camp side by side last year, and Marissa, mm-hmm. my wife, was in Nordstrom, mm-hmm. and you were in the car with my me and the kids, mm-hmm. and a, a woman walked by on the street who had a shaved head and lots of tattoos and earrings, and you just went ballistic you're like that woman's aesthetic is amazing i love everything about her like did you see that you know but the reaction was so big and i relate to that i I relate to that reaction but like it was it was it seemed very that was a unique experience you don't you don't i that's not like some sort of everyday thing i have with most friends i don't remember that at all i'm sure you don't but like but i think you can probably relate to this idea of you seeing somebody's aesthetic. aesthetic and being like Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. I like immediately notice it. I'm like, I love it. And I'm like, I want it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where the Tyler thing is where it's like, I love his aesthetic mm-hmm. and I like desire it all the time. Yeah. That's so complicated. It's so complicated. <laughs> yeah. And this is, I guess, comparing to other numbers, um, I, I'm not going to call a particular number out. I'll just say it seems as if, this sort of mentality just like does disintegrates at the feet of different numbers. Like they don't, they don't relate. They're Mm -hmm. not, you're like, look at that person's aesthetic. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. (laughs) And and they want to, they want to talk about the news or like more practical matters. And to a certain extent, and this is where I can really relate to you. Sometimes the most important thing is an aesthetic. I could 100%. care less about practical matters. 100%. I could care less about budgets and politics <laughs> and, you know, recycling, you know. Yeah. At, at some time, the, the, the only thing I care about is the art or the song or the aesthetic. And somebody is like, you didn't compost that orange peel. And I'm like, whoa, how can you be talking about an orange <laughs> peel? That seems to be the thing that's the most important <laughs> to certain people sometimes. I mean, I think that's important. Of course, it's important. But I and I you're believe saying. intellectually it's important. But I'm saying what what's making <laughs> what's my making heartbeat? You, yeah, exactly. And like, it is definitely art and aesthetics. Yeah, typically. Um, this is another great quote in the same vein of this. Is they said they sell fours will celebrate others, which you do so well. You mm-hmm. celebrate others so well. It's one of your greatest gifts. And then you pass that on to especially the girls you work with um, for celebrate others so well, but then wonder why they will what. Oh, <laughs> let me read this quote. Right. So these were like me taking notes. <laughs> so it's not phrased perfectly. They celebrate others, but then wonder when they will do the big thing. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like, that's so great. You're doing that. Even even if you're talking about ASMR, you're like, oh, cool. This ASMR person on YouTube is doing this. <laughs> but what am, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think that I wonder if that's like the competitive threeness in me sometimes being drawn out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Someday we'll get we'll do a whole episode on the wings. I, I guess when I took the test and we're, again, we're not huge on tests. I was I was so close to being a four. And so like I resonate with so closely with both. But I definitely, when I'm reading, resonate more with the five. Yeah, yeah. And it says, well, it says, Ian Morgan Cronin and his buddies. <laughs> his, his buddies, buddies the four buds. Said that we live by feelings and not thoughts. Yeah. 
that is the definitive distinction between the two of us. I live primarily by thoughts and I trust thoughts over feelings and it seems like I think thoughts and feelings are the, are so similar. I think they're not that different. I think that's the I think that's the misconception or the misunderstanding of before Santa I think Sandra McCracken was the one that was saying she has been called out by therapists for saying or they said to her your feelings are not thoughts. They're not. <laughs> like it's like in the sense of like your feeling is not necessarily a reality. But they kind of is. It's like a to part say of the reality. It's 80 degrees out today is a reality. It's a fact. Yeah, but if it feels like a hundred, then it's a part of the experience is that it feels <laughs> like a hundred. I don't think that's what they mean. I think I well, think, but I'm just I think is I think what they were saying in a in a darker way is it feels like life has no meaning. Yeah. That's a feeling, not a thought. You know, if we want to entertain the idea that life has no meaning on an intellectual level, that's a whole different concept but like if you're just feeling in the moment you know or you know the fact that you're feeling sad doesn't necessarily mean that the the situation is sad you know yeah i guess that's true that sometimes we can be swept away by our feelings to, to then not be reminded that like what are the facts but i think that they're we also help correct the world to remember You feelings. do, because that's what I need in my integration. Right. Like, again, before we even did inst- Instagram, before we ever did Enneagram, I was already using language. I had identified five characters in my spirit. In my <laughs> oh, makeup. yeah. And, and one was emotionally detached Earl. This was before I even knew about five. But Marissa definitely knew Earl. that, like, in my crisis moments, I floated up into objectivity yeah. and was not able to be like an emotionally present human. That was a defense mechanism of mine. And so like, I need a four, probably also an eights in my life Mm -hmm. to like call me out and be like, get, get in tune with your emotions, get in tune with reality, get in tune with the moment. Yeah. Be here, you know? Yeah. And a four can do that for me, but a four probably needs to be pulled in the other direction. I'm like, Hey, 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 like, (laughs) like, let's just get some bearings here. (laughs) (laughs) the world is not ending today (laughs) Uh, but it does seem so like it honestly like uh uh, you you know lord of the rings right yeah it does seem so golem like sometimes like the emotion is the precious yeah like there's a there's a clutching to it and a and and an obsession it's like this is my precious thing. Don't come near the sadness. Or this, this is me and my sadness. Tragedy, yeah. Like, <laughs> and and uh, oh, it's 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 it is sort of wonderful and also sort of. It's gotta be so frustrating. Yeah, I guess <laughs> for me personally, I can't talk for other numbers. I guess personally, sometimes I'm like, look, like, I could I could probably understand better than you think. Like, let me in. It's like, no, like, <laughs> this is my unique <laughs> thing, my own. You know, like. Jeez, okay, fine. We're so dramatic. Have it. It's fine. Um, another one of the things that I that is said that, that we'll be kind of done with this, but um, 
I, I wanted to hear you comment on because I, I feel like this would definitely resonate with you is what something they called the doom loop. The Doom Loop. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Doom Loop. They talked about making a cereal called Doom Loops. Yeah, yeah, Doom Loops. That's what I'm eating now in the morning, Doom um, Loops. Oh, I resonated so much with the Doom Loop. And I can I've start to too. see the Doom Loop coming, and then I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. How do they describe it? How would you describe the Doom Loop? When I oh. watch it happen to you? Yeah. Oh, I guess. gosh. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's kind of what we were just talking about. This ties together. It's, yeah. it's sort of this loop of irrational thinking that I, again, am working on being sensitive and present to. Yeah. It's like, this is what she's going through. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's not just you, even though you'd probably like it to be just you. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the doom loop. I wish that I could like go it's, back and it's hear not exactly like what the they six say. Doom loop because I think no, six no, would no, have their own different. unique doom loop. It's like the doom loop of like this is all like it's literally things becoming colorless. Oh, that's heavy. And that's really what that's it the is. unique Macy way of saying. It. But I think a six doom loop would be practical everyday situations falling apart. Yeah. Like, worst case scenarios. Um, I'm, I'm going to run out of gas. The bill didn't get paid. I'm not going to make it to the grocery store. I didn't return the phone call. Right. That's a six doom loop. I think a four is more existential. Mine's life like, has no meaning. Life has no meaning. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. And like, this is all worthless. Like what? So four is like, find the beauty. But then if they're in the doom loop, it's almost like the doom loop. We've just really attached to this. <laughs> it's almost like it's the opposite of like, they can't see the beauty. And then yeah. they're like, lost yeah. and then they and then out they break free from the doom loop and they find meaning and beauty and everything it's like it's shocking the roller coaster ride of a four or being in a relationship with a four i guess i would say like <laughs> I, and i and i wouldn't want to say this to you or any other four in a way that would push you into doubling down on all these sort of potentially unhealthy tendencies mm-hmm. but again in terms of like finding the balance between the the beauty and the hard elements of our numbers. Yeah. Um it's it's almost like it's almost like listening to a really great album or watching a really great movie of these really unpredictable ups and downs. You know, that makes something interesting. And with you in particular, it's like on one day, East is up and there's hope and beauty in the world and you're inspiring. And I'm like getting teared up talking to you and I'm like this is amazing. Like there is hope in the world. If it wasn't for Macy, I wouldn't feel this right now. And then the very next day or even the next hour, it's like life is pointless. And you're like, what? You just <laughs> helped me understand that life is meaningful. And and then you have to deal with that. And, and then and then I think we're sucked into that world. Not in the it's it's sad to think of you being in the in the pure stress of it, of like <laughs> You're you truly are experiencing the existential crisis. I think I'm experiencing it vicariously, being like, yeah, maybe life isn't worth. Maybe maybe life is worthless, you know. <laughs> but I'm I'm experiencing it at arm's length. You're going through it. Yeah, I like truly am like. There's nothing like I just existential crisis or like complete profound beauty some days. You even predicted it. You even said I don't know if it was at Shasta, but or shortly after where you're like. You already sensed a day when you would want to punch somebody in the face for saying East is up. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is the most four thing <laughs> you've ever said. 
You know you love it now, but someday somebody's going to say East is up, and you're like, screw you, East is not up. Yeah, it's going to be the wrong moment, and I'm going to be like, that is not true. Like, today, East is not up, and I will be mad. I know, Uh, but right now, everybody, East is up. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Fours, we are never going to be able to understand. This is a a wild attempt of an interview of a four. It is. And to tell people what the four is, like... I, we missed so many things about fours, I think. Today? Yeah. Yeah, we really did. We need to give it another try. I feel like it was a little emo. <laughs> I, think, I think fours are a little happier than this may have come across. I'm typically pretty, pretty like, uh, cheerful, I think. You are. Right? You really are. But you're, you're your own unique four, <laughs> you know? Am I, am I less cheerful than I think I am? No, you're cheerful. You're moody, but you're cheerful. <laughs> um, uh, I think I think it, it's it's taking it beyond the emotions. It seems that that fours really truly do want to be unique, and that you 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 correct me if this sounds wrong, but like the integration is, and and this could work for every number in their own way. The integration is everyone's unique. Yeah, everyone has something special and cool and beautiful to bring to the world. And a four at their best seems to be the type of person. Uh, let me read four in health. I, I don't even know what this is going to say. Yeah. And some days I feel like such a healthy four. Like today I was an integrated four because a four moves to one and ones are organized and they're able mm. to like be more efficient and get things done. And they like start to, to see not only like meaning in the world, but they start to see and like have vision for like, what it could look like too, not just it, it, what it could feel like. And so like today I totally cleaned and like revamped our living room. I added shelves, did all these things. It was a four integrating to one day. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Whenever I clean, I'm like, I'm being a one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I guess that goes into the box thing too. Like um, again, we'll probably do future episodes on this about, about specifically focusing on the concepts of integration and, and unhealth and stress. But like Macy theoretically is supposed to exhibit one like qualities in health and becomes sort of two like in stress. Oh, um, I it's, which, that's how I feel like I really realized what type I was is mm-hmm. seeing my patterns of stress. Mm-hmm. But, um, Cause I'm just 23 guys. So I, I'm a baby. I'm a baby on this journey. That is life. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you're so far ahead of where a lot of people are. I don't think there's such thing as a head or behind. I think we're all just on a journey. Okay. Goodness. What? (laughs) You know, okay. Well, I mean, that would just bring up a discussion. You don't think the Enneagram has pulled you a little bit ahead of the average 23 year old? I don't in, in one area of my life, but like sure, in one area, in just one aspect, but like there's other things that other people are ahead of me on. So it's like all like a spectrum. It's not like it's, there is one, what is ahead or behind. There's not like a standard. <sighs> I'm not even going to go there <laughs> with you right now. Okay. <laughs> just saying. Um, well, so, um, in terms of being a four, it seems as if one of a four's greatest contributions <laughs> to society could be inviting everyone into and celebrating everyone's unique, diverse expression of themselves. Yeah. And I'll say that just for the fact of like, I feel like 
you've done that to the girls that you work with in the youth ministry, but you do that with me. Like your existence and your foreness helps me contemplate and think about my own unique contribution, you know? And that's, that's cool. That's sweet. But I think the (laughs) trick for the four is like the moment they do inspire someone to be unique, that they would celebrate the emergence of the uniqueness. And I think typically 95% of the time you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a fear of a four, one of a big fear of mine is that I'm going to say, so like I'm this big 21 pilots fan and I talk about 21 pilots a lot with the kids that I do ministry with because music is relevant. Um, and the last thing I'd want is for them to have like the same 21 pilots thoughts that I have. I'm like, oh. I have your thoughts about it. Like that's like the most like way I can think about it. And like, it's just like, I, I want to inspire others to have their experience. Not that's my beautiful. Own. That's beautiful. And it should that that's a worthy calling and a, and a needed calling. And again, just to accentuate how these numbers are distinct. If anything, I would want people to have my thoughts. As really? a five, yeah. Like I think my thoughts are the right thoughts, and we need to streamline those thoughts. We need to get to <laughs> everybody thinking the right thoughts. <laughs> like I think I can understand that in some way of like sometimes I can get all like, oh, I think I know what I'm talking about. But like in general, I think I do want someone. I want people to come to their own like, like to be thoughtful, but like it to be their own unique thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. And I do want that, but I'm talking about my core base oh, instinct. I see. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I literally do at the end of the day want those things, but, um, that's funny. Uh, let me just say it, it says here, the type four at their best. So this is level one health. And if you, level again, one health. Looks, this is what we're striving yeah, for. If everybody looks at the Enneagram Institute again, pot, uh, this is the standard uh, website. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> It has 10 levels of health, which I find to be helpful. But listen to a four, they're most healthy. It says that they are profoundly creative, expressing the personal and the universal. Ooh. I mean, we could do a whole episode on just that sentence. (laughs) Expressing the personal and the universal. Isn't that the truth? It's cool. Possibly in a work of art, inspired, self-renewing, and regenerating they're able to transform all their experiences into something valuable and self-creative. That's exciting. Yeah, that's a four. I've, so, I hope to one day be all those things. Yeah. I think yeah. at times sometimes I can be some for of sure, those things. For sure, for sure. I think... Um, Stability is a thing I'm hoping for one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, all of us are hoping. Equanimity, that is the fours thing that we, like, that's our our balance point Mm. is equanimity. Mm. I don't even know what that word means officially. I think we're getting towards the end. We are. Equanimity, I would would assume, implies some sense of um, balance between you and the universe, Mm -hmm. that you're not so distinct. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like perspective- Almost. Mm -hmm. I think fours are always balancing this. Like either they're feeling incredibly huge or they're feeling so small, they're insignificant. That's the thing. And that's what equanimity really is. It's like finding that balance and realizing that things don't have to be quite as polar and extreme. Fours are like extreme. I think uh, someone else said fours are the least, the world has the least amount of fours. 
Hmm. And so she was encouraging us to speak up more because there's yeah. less of us out there. Yeah. <laughs> because that's kind of like the, the uh, another teaching of the Enneagram is like this idea of like in terms of it being these nine whole like ways to understanding. And it really like when you start to understand all nine types, you understand like almost like all of humanity hmm. because you're understanding these nine like essential ways in which people are interacting with each other. Yeah, it's, that sounds it's right. so much, you guys. Sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel uh, I feel two things. I feel on the one hand very grateful for the for the opportunity to sort of deep dive on you and a four type. At the same time, I feel oh, very unsatisfied. Like I feel like we're just starting. So we definitely need to do another uh, a four episode. Part two. It'll be in like a year. But I don't even think we need a part two in terms of like inviting another four. Like we still have a lot of work to do with you as a four. I know, I know, <laughs> but we, I know, a, I know, like quite a few fours, and which is funny because four friendships. I think there's like a an initial barrier of like the envy of the four. Like so, fours don't. We didn't like even it. talk about envy. We did a little bit. Slightly. We did, but like so, fours typically sniff out other fours in the room and are like, oh, you think you're a four? I'm a four. But uh, once they can kind of get past that, fours and fours together is epic. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Uh, so, because Scott knows... And I have my own Helen Palmer book about uh, Enneagram and love and work. Oh, there's one yeah. thing that I wanted to say. There's one Please. last thing that I just wanted to say. And, like, I think the best way to understand a four is, like, honestly... Okay, well... Mm. I think poetry is like the mm. best word for a four. Mm. It's like fours, like they love, they are like considered the poets and, or like, I guess painters in the sense that like they'll make something. And this is why we need to create art is like to make something that like we ourselves know is like the true, we understand the full meaning, but there's parts of it that like others will not know fully, but they can still experience and be invited into that emotion or that feeling. And that's like what poetry or painting like really essentially yeah. is. Yeah, I agree with that fully. I'm all there. Okay. Um, so this is, this is, it, as we're wrapping up, um, I, I feel sad. I would love to just maybe record a, a three-minute thing that we'd post on our feed of me reading this thing in the Wisdom of the Enneagram, which you can only get a physical copy of. So, like, I don't have my physical copy, and I can't download uh, an e-copy of this book. But what I love about that book is that at the end of each chapter on each number, it has something called the number in essence, the, so the essence of the number. And it essentially highlights in a really beautiful way, the unique thing that each number has to contribute to the world. And I don't have that in front of me right now. And I'm sad about it. I think I might be able to find something. Okay. I'm going to look. This is, this is a long shot. But this is my other book that I really like called The Essential Enneagram. And this, is, this says, this talks about a four's personal development. And I like this. It says, the goal of a four's development is to realize that in the present moment, we are loved and completely whole. That's huge. What was that? Uh, the goal, the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal of the development of a four. Is that we're loved? To realize that in the present moment, right here and right now, we are loved and whole, completely whole, not oh. lacking anything. 
I think that that does lacking really no hit essential home. quality or ingredient, and that we are interconnected. Oh, I forgot to talk about the word longing. <laughs> that is the most quintessential four words. Lots of longing. Lots, lots of longing. Like yeah. there's this always this sense of this is incomplete. There's something missing. What is missing? Like longing for the fuller experience. Longing, longing. I don't think that I am. Am I the fully living The first thing right that now? I wrote on my notes from this podcast is inconsolable longing. Inconsol- that is so accurate. <laughs> it's so annoying. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find what I thought I was This says, in terms of personal development, a four can focus on how can I further my personal development? Focusing on what is positive in my life rather than what is missing. Maintaining a consistent course of action despite fluctuating feelings. Cultivating happiness in others in order to become less self-absorbed. Delaying reactive action until intense emotions begin to subside. Okay, let me end with this. This is this is in in lieu of me not having my Wisdom of the Enneagram book here, but it's this is my essential Enneagram book and and here's some adjectives that describe the four. So this isn't as great as essence, but I do like that there's sort of a we're ending on accentuating what fours bring to the world in a very important way. Like I, if we're thinking about theologically, like in terms of like the body of Christ, like Mm -hmm. I think everybody brings a unique spiritual gift that is so essential. And that's what our goal as humans is, is to not only value our unique contribution, but make room and value, make room for and value the unique gifts of others. Of others, yeah. So the four is idealistic, Deeply feeling, sensitive, empathetic, caring, intense, specialness oriented, creative disposition, authentic to self, introspective, and expressive. I think I'm every one of those adjectives. Yeah, you are. You are. And I think it's so needed in the world. And I mean, we, you and I both talk about the concept of profit a lot. I think that resonates with mm-hmm. both of us in our own unique numbers and ways. Um, but... I think you help people see the world through a new lens and a different lens. And it can sometimes be an, an essentially an important dark lens. That's important. Yeah. And it can sometimes be an out, an, an out of control, positive lens, like out of control in a great way. Like just this, just huge, beautiful, optimistic lens, you know? And, um, <laughs> it's shocking when you go back and see how you're both of us, like how extreme mm-hmm. I can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fun, I guess. I'm glad. <laughs> we should. It's it's really wild. It's a lot. It's taxing. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing: is the enneagram is teaching me I don't have to always be that, and I I that's a gift. But I also like life isn't. I don't have to always be constantly drawing out the most insane emotions. Like sometimes it's okay to just be chill and to just like enjoy something and like not need to like make it the most insane experience. So like fours are known for making something like an ordinary experience extraordinary, but then that like the converse or yeah, the converse of that is that like we're like bored by the ordinary and we're mm-hmm. like what can mm-hmm. be extraordinary and sometimes like what's best for me is sometimes just like being satisfied with the ordinary and that's like what I have to like keep practicing of like today it could be ordinary and that could be 
just as like meaningful and extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to affirm, I mean, obviously you're not perfect, but I, I do see how I do see how the Enneagram and I do see that the Enneagram has been a positive influence in your life <laughs> in that sense, you know? Yeah, I'm trying. At, at the very least, it helps you identify it. You're yeah. not you're not as defensive as the everyday person. Like, you've been able to sort of laugh at so, some of these quirks or. Yeah, I think I've. I think that part of it with the four is like this ability to laugh at themselves. They kind of have you kind of have to be able to. Yeah, the, the the panel talked about that. The irony. Yeah, like you well, have, have to be irony. able to be ironic, or else it's just like. Because it's, it's so comical sometimes. The life of a four. Yeah. I yeah. mean, all of our lives are comical, but I particularly think mine's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I think that has to be it for now. That's it. What, yeah. a, what a ride. I don't even have a real hood to put over my head. What is that? Is that a fake hood? Yeah, it's like a fake hood. It's like almost like a baby sweatshirt that's getting me over putting a hood over my head. What did you just say? A baby sweatshirt. That what? It's helping me to get over putting my hood over my head. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, you know, like, I should probably grow out of that habit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at a true four right now. Macy has her head halfway shaved and halfway dyed, and she's got all sorts of nose rings and triple earrings. And <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Um Thank you for listening. We we do hope to do many more Enneagram episodes in the future. Yeah, sorry, this one was crazy long. If you have any thoughts about this episode, uh, hit us on our Instagram feed. Don't don't private mm-hmm. message us in our texts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, do both. We like that, but we want to try to get some Instagram <laughs> action going. Um, thank you so much for listening. We love you. You are beautiful. <laughs> so good. Uh, know your numbers. Stop it's being no defensive. Small thing. You're not a box. You're You're not a box. <laughs> You're Bust out of your box. Bust out of your box. Okay, bye everybody. Microphone down. Okay.